Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I appreciate you guys checking this episode out. I uh, am recording for, I think, like the middle of January. Man, it's moving in already pretty fast, but uh, I'm out here um, kind of traveling around. I finished up some stuff over in the high desert, and I was kind of getting ready. I kind of repacking some gear after it being pretty cold and pretty wet and pretty cold. And I'm trying to uh, go over some of my gear and sort of get it prepped and tightened up a little bit so that I have everything kind of packed up in a good way. And I'm uh, putting together this packing list that'll go up on my website here this week. And I also wanted to kind of talk about it on this podcast too. So probably a lot of these podcasts, I'll, uh, I'll try and go through and uh, talk a little bit about the the stuff I've got to pack or some of the gear I've got to bring for, for some of these outdoor kind of travel photography, multi-day trips that I do. And it works pretty well just for outdoor camping stuff or backpacking stuff or cold weather or warm weather. I'm going to kind of try and break down a bunch of those different pieces as I sort of move through the year through uh, through some of the different locations that I'm going to go. But um, I was going to kind of go through some of the gear stuff. Part of it first, I guess cameras, is I try and bring one or two camera bodies when I'm going on like a multi-day trip. And if uh, I normally try and bring two camera bodies so that if something happens with the first one, uh, I can kind of drop over to the second one pretty easily. And that really almost never comes up, but it is also really pretty nice to have when you when you need that option. Most of the time what it is, for me, if it's two bodies, it's going to be a, a digital camera body uh, and then a film camera body with a roll of film in it so that I can kind of have that as an alternative to what I'm shooting. And I really almost never have a problem with the camera or the battery system uh, while I'm out traveling or while I'm out doing any kind of uh, multi-day trip and stuff. And then if I do have a problem, I can kind of switch over to film for, for some of the art photos that I'm trying to put together. But um, like, as you guys have probably seen in some of the, like the past work or even some of the current black and white stuff I'm trying to put out, a lot of those are film photographs. So uh, for a lot of the creative images that I'm trying to put together, I'm trying to like work through it on digital, but then I'm also really trying to capture something that's like one of the solid images I'm trying to get as a film frame in that. And uh, I'm still trying to do that even this year into 2021. But yeah, I definitely try and bring the two camera bodies right now. It's the 5D Mark III, and then it's a EOS Elan film camera that was a real inexpensive Canon film body that is great because it attaches to all of my higher-end L-glass Canon lenses that I've got like the, well, I guess I got like the 17 to 40. I've got the the 24 to 70 and uh, then like another 50 millimeter that I've been bringing around a lot. So uh, so these have been great for me to kind of capture a bunch of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I get to like capture the HD video stuff if I want on the 5D. I get to capture the photo stuff on the 5D and worked out, work out a lot of the different, uh, I don't know, just kind of the more like annoying parts of the photography uh, sketch process as you're kind of earlier on or maybe not in the perfect light and you're kind of trying to work out the, the layout of the composition that you're trying to do. But once you kind of figure that out, um, you kind of I try and come back with the film camera and grab a, like a good moment with that. And it's been pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I went through yeah those three lenses are really pretty much the only kit that I try and bring. And then on some specific stuff that's more landscape based or um, or where I think I'll really specifically need it, I try and bring a 70 to 200 millimeter uh, zoom lens. And for a, a lot of the time when I bring a zoom lens, um, I want to rent it. And that's where I can kind of get like a specific lens for that trip and just really put in a lot of work with that kind of specific lens. And then when I'm home for a lot of the year and I'm not utilizing that lens then I don't have to be paying for it. And that's kind of what I've realized is, you know, there's really, there's really only a number of times where I'm going to be kind of 
trying to grab photographs with this certain type of, of lens, either at like a tilt shift or a really wide angle, like a really wide angle fisheye, uh, or a really high compression zoom lens, like a 300 or 400 millimeter uh, zoom that I'm trying to do some wildlife stuff with later into the spring. I'm trying to schedule that out so that I have rental of a higher end 300 millimeter Canon, like uh, wildlife or, you know, like, a, yeah, just a, a, what is that lens that, that 300 mil that fixed 300 millimeter two eight wildlife lens. I'm trying to get one of those rented out so I can take it out into the backcountry and then uh, yeah, get out to you know somewhere and get some shots with it. And uh, and then I don't have to buy it. I don't have to you know, spend six grand on it or three grand on it or whatever it is. So I think that's kind of kind of one of my goals. But um, uh, try and bring a bunch of SD cards and compact flash cards. That's sort of specific to the the Canon 5D Mark III that it takes both compact flash and SD. Um, if yours only takes one or the other, I guess I'd be sort of discreet on what you select for that. But, uh, but yeah, I try and load up this uh, pouch that goes into my low pro camera bag. That's uh, got a bunch of the SD cards and compact flash cards in it. And um, I have it pretty well structured so that I don't really get it too mixed up with like cards that have photos on it or cards that are formatted and cleared and ready to go. I'm able to keep that pretty straight, but um but yeah, it works pretty well to have this little case that I've got. One of those little media cases. They sell them all over. And I have that kind of full, full up with cards. I try to, when I'm out, have my laptop with me so that it's in uh, it's in one of my bags in the truck. And then what I'm able to do is do like a daily edit or uh, like kind of a, after every like bigger chunk of the project, I'm able to take the camera back to the computer, plug in the external hard drive, and then... Uh, offload the photos on the card, offload the photos and video into the Lightroom catalog, and also have those kind of backup under that external hard drive uh, right away so that we get all the photos in a couple spots before I get all the way back home. And most of the time, uh, unless I kind of come into like an emergency situation, I try and leave the photographs, the raw photos on the card until I get back home to the house so that I have the original copy as a file saved onto the card and then I have that card data copied into the Lightroom catalog on my laptop. And then I have that backed up onto the external drive. Sometimes if the, I'm dealing with bigger files and stuff, I can't fit it all on the laptop. So it just goes straight to the external drive. And that's where like you don't have three copies of it. You only have two copies of it. Two is better than one. One, I think, is just as good as zero, they say. You know, it's better than zero because, you know, it's all you got sometimes. But it's kind of tricky. And, uh, yeah, sometimes if I'm in like a more delicate situation or if, well, if I don't have power, it's kind of tough. I remember like going, you know, days or like a week or two weeks without uh, really getting it transferred over to the laptop when I was trying to like, you know, stay out and be camped and then just collect the photos. And then, uh, you kind of like go through and do little daily edits where you sort of look at the photographs on the camera, but you're not really able to bring those into the system and categorize them or select the photos that you want to use on like a daily basis, which or a daily or every two or three days kind of basis, which is what I like to do, but uh, but sometimes kind of don't get to do when I'm out uh, pretty far. And definitely when it's wet or rainy and stuff. Or, man, like I've talked about before, like the amount of time that I burn trying to like render something or upload something or transfer something uh, when I've done so much work to get everything ready and travel out into the back country or out into the outdoors and the nature and stuff. And I really want to use that time as efficiently as I can to do something fun and cool outside. And I remember like on road trips and stuff I've been on in the past, I really spent, I think for my sake, way too many hours 
uh, just focused in on trying to render out a clip of something to try and upload to YouTube while I was out on the road in Utah or out on the road in Idaho or something. And uh, I really feel like now I definitely shouldn't have done that. I should have spent the time there trying to get myself out further into the field and, and into spending more time getting photographs of something in the, in the place that uh, I don't get to do. And then spend the time in the studio when I get back home worrying about editing stuff, uploading stuff, getting stuff copied over to hard drives and getting clips of that uploaded to YouTube or Instagram or Facebook or wherever it was at the time. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of the tough thing is when you don't, or like dealing with your internet access while you're out traveling and then also kind of dealing with the amount of time you want to have accessing the internet or accessing your, your media materials and stuff. And, Instagram as it is, as a force has sort of changed uh, the demands of what your experience is for some of the outdoor stuff. But really, even still as a nature photographer, I really want to try and stay focused in on uh, like what I'm doing outside of what I'm doing out in the woods and out taking pictures of landscapes and nature stuff. But uh, I really kind of want to stay away from Instagram or Facebook or using the apps or doing editing um, or like a lot of like media manipulation stuff while I'm out in the woods. Like I don't want to be uploading stories to Instagram or really even recording videos outside of sort of a specific or discrete um, piece of production that I'm trying to put together, which I am trying to do. I am trying to like schedule. Okay. After I make coffee, after I do the podcast in the morning at nine 30, I'm going to set up and record these like 10 minutes of videos so that I have that content that I need from that area for the future. So if I do want a set of Instagram stories from the outward desert or from the coast or from the mountains or from the woods or wherever it is. I have already recorded that if I was out on a trip. Um, and then I can use those kind of again in any way that I want to, but, um, but I don't want to do that just every day and through the day as uh, as it sometimes sort of ends up being, that's what I used to do. And now I'm really trying to schedule everything out as best I can. I try to bring micro microfiber lens cloths, especially during the wet weather that I'm going through here in the January, February timetable. Um, I try and definitely bring some stuff to help me kind of wipe down the lenses, like the front of the lenses and then the top of it, especially when it's kind of sprinkly, that kind of like that misty sort of rain that sort of spits. It's not like a heavy downpour, but it's definitely enough where you got to have your rain jacket on. And when you're out for 10 minutes or so, you get this kind of light accumulation of little droplets and they get all over your camera and it really kind of starts to soak everything faster than you'd think sometimes too. But, uh, but yeah, we definitely get that over here in the Willamette Valley area and it's not my favorite kind of weather and it's certainly not my favorite kind of weather to do a lot of shooting in. And there's like, you're thinking like, what landscape are you getting in that? I'm trying to do some misty kind of cloudy black and white sort of stuff in the rain. And I'm also trying to do some video and audio recording stuff in the rain, which is going pretty well, but I'm out there in the rain a lot and it's rainy all over Oregon right now in the winter time. So good for me. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'm trying to get ready to go over to the coast, uh, for some stuff. I want to try and go drive down one Oh one. And I, I wanted to make it all the way down to the redwoods and jump into some of those bigger trees and do some photographs, definitely some black and white stuff. But really I wanted to uh, get into, some cool film shots that I haven't really ever done down there in the, in the redwoods. And I want to, I want to try and do a better job with, uh, with some digital images down there too. I think it'd be pretty cool. Um, but let's see, I try and bring a set of filters that's in the bag. I've got the, the big stopper ND filter for some daytime long exposures that I'm trying to do. I have a, a filter ring that goes on that. I've got a polarizer that's in the bag. 
Um, I've got the rain cover in, that's sort of part of the low pro bag. So like I have this low pro uh, Magnum 200 bag, which is kind of cool. It's got sort of a square look to it, sort of like um, like an old photojournalist bag that uh, I think low pro has been making since the sixties or something. But uh but I like the bag a lot. It's got a hard cased bottom, kind of like this, I don't know, sort of like tougher, like nylon shell bottom that you, you can kind of bonk on rocks and stuff. And it keeps your camera safe on the inside, which is, which is great. Heavy, heavy bag to carry around. It's good for truck travel and stuff. Uh, but if you're, you're just kind of moving around, um, it's nice to carry like a little satchel or something a little smaller. But I do load that up with the, the laptops normally in there. The two camera bodies are in there. Most really like all the camera equipment's in there. Um, and, and the filter kits and stuff too, but, um, but in there under the neath or like on the back side of it, there's a sleeve and it zips open and in there, there's this attached rain cover that can, uh, can jump right over your, 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 the bag if it's raining out and it works pretty well to do that. I've used it like a number of times. Really, I don't like to carry that bag out into the heavy rain as much. And what I try and do is like carry like the side satchel bag, uh, out into the rain and just do like shorter trips out and then come back into like the car cab where it's sort of dried out to the main gear bag there. And then I have like a, a microfiber towel and a, uh, another cloth that I can like wipe the camera stuff down. And then I don't, I don't open the lens too much. I don't want to get any moisture in there and I really don't want to get any dust or other stuff in there when I'm out here. Um, but it's a pretty fine spot. Once it's dried, you can get back to the car. It's, it's pretty durable and you can get through, um, using the gear, using the equipment to capture images just fine. Um, so it's pretty cool. But dealing with wet weather stuff is kind of, kind of lousy. Rain covers help. I have a rain cover for the backpack. I, uh, I have this, um, tech wash stuff. What is it? The tech wash is different. I think it's this Nick. I can't remember the name of it, but, uh, yeah, it's like this Nick wash. What is the brand of it? Nick Dry, something like that. I don't know. I can't remember the, the name brand of it, but it's this uh, this material I probably talked about on a couple podcasts ago that I used to um, to re-waterproof my Gore-Tex jacket, which helped a ton, like re-waterproofing that. Uh, so now the water like hits it and it just beads up and rolls off. I think it's one of those hydrophobic materials that you can spray on, and uh, it helps a ton for that that Gore-Tex nylon uh, mixture that the that that rain jacket's made out of. But I also need to do that for my tent to get that re-waterproof, for, especially for a lot of this like wet weather stuff that I've been out doing. Mostly, I'm in the truck, but every once in a while, I'm trying to have the truck be the base camp and then do a spike camp out for the night. So I have the tent and the backpack. I go out and then sit up camp there, wake up, have everything ready to go, and then I can kind of get to whatever little photo piece that I'm trying to do then and then uh, kind of stay for a longer period of time and just sort of use my time a little bit more more smoothly, which is, uh, something I've been trying to practice a little bit and it's going okay. Uh, kind of going out, camping out and stuff has been weird and cool in the winter time, but it's fine and pretty fun. And it's cool, you know, going out for like a couple days and then you're back home and you're in all the comforts of home for like four or five days of the week or something. And then, yeah, just for like two or so or two, two and a half, three days you go out and kind of put up with the elements and uh, it's sort of fun. And I've been able to kind of pick the days pretty well so far for the last few weeks, but it works out pretty good. So yeah, other electronic stuff that I try to bring. Oh wait, wet weather stuff. Yeah. Rain covers. Uh, I've been trying to use this thing too as contractor bags. Like um, 
Husky contractor bags. I think they're like 50 gallon bags or 40 gallon bags. It's bigger than my backpacking backpack. You know, they're real, they're real big sacks and they, they can kind of take like a lot of weight into them too. They kind of have like a thicker ply to them than just like your regular, uh, like home trash bags and stuff. Those work pretty well too, but these big contractor bags, uh, you can like cut a hole up at the top and then uh, like make a poncho out of it real quick if you need that. Or you can have it be like a emergency waterproof sleeping shelter you can kind of like make it into a bunch of stuff and then it also works great if you need to have like an additional place to store some equipment or to keep some equipment dry when you just have your backpack so you can have like all your equipment in your backpack but if you have a contractor bag at the bottom of your pack or in like a pocket or something you can pull that out lay it out and then uh, like throw down all your equipment like your equipment instead of onto the ground throw it straight onto this bag and it works out really well like uh, when i've been in sort of wet weather rocky environments that are sort of muddy and stuff i mean even though it's like i guess it's like made to go outside like this i just feel kind of weird like like setting camera parts and camera equipment and bags and uh, pieces down out of my backpack when uh, uh when it's you know just in the mud or something so yeah these little contractor bags work great and uh, uh definitely help like a bunch especially when it's yeah, kind of nastier um nasty outdoor weather stuff but uh but yeah those have uh, helped a lot for uh, some of the wet weather stuff that I've been up to, um, extra lens cloths and, uh, yeah, small towels or like dish towels were great. I like the terry cloth stuff. Some of the microfiber stuff that's like real polyester doesn't seem to really like pull up the water as well. It sort of like just kind of pushes it around or smears it. I hate those towels. So I really try and ditch those as fast as I can. A lot of the time though, if you go down, like I think I, I went to one of the, the building supply stores and I tried to pick up a bunch of stuff all at once, but I got the contractor bags and then I also got, um, so I got a bunch of dish towels, like so the one of those packs, of, or not dish towels, I guess, but shop towels, like they're they're cotton or cloth, they're the towels, but they're just kind of like little, I don't know, ten by ten inch squares that you use, and I think they use like wipe up grease or something if you're out in the shop, and then you can kind of toss them all at once and uh, and replace them because they're pretty cheap. But those uh, those shop towels are pretty cheap to get a hold of, and you can throw them in your truck or have a bunch of them in your truck, throw one in your backpack, and uh, and then you have uh, a couple of those. Uh, just dry towels to grab at as you're trying to work through some of the wet weather stuff. But um, yeah, it's kind of cool as it goes. I'll kind of move through the electronic stuff and get into this on uh, on some other some other podcast coming up. I'm gonna have to go through this stuff so many times. But uh, I bring the laptop every time, laptop charger. I try and bring a small external hard drive, normally like a one terabyte drive, and that's where all of my uh, my Lightroom catalog stuff gets stored onto. And then I have that backed up at home, so I'm not bringing like the only copy with me. But uh, but I am trying to back up the photos that I'm making on the go onto that hard drive, and uh, and then I back that up to the main drive when I get back home for the project. Um, I try to bring the uh, the phone and the car charger. Always trying to bring headphones, which I keep in the back pocket. I'm listening to podcasts like all the time, probably like everybody else. Um, I try and bring a small power strip. This is good, like having a regular power strip, even you know a pretty easy cheap one. Having that in the truck is pretty good if. Uh, if I do go to a place that uh, that has just regular power that I can use, either like a camp spot area or if I end up getting like a, like a hotel or something while I'm traveling further away, it's cool because I can throw the power strip down and then I can uh, punch in a bunch of the uh, the utilities and stuff that I have to charge all at one time and I can kind of keep, keep that organized and keep it on track a little better. And then in addition to that um, like uh, wall power strip, it's really cool to have uh, an inverter power strip. I think they, they sell them... Uh, pretty reasonable prices online and 
you, I, I picked one up, I think, for about 50 bucks. That was this power strip inverter that plugged into the cigarette lighter in your car. And then you had, uh, like, four outlets to charge stuff uh, just in your car. And it worked great for us. Like, we used that every single day on a couple of our longer road trips. But, yeah, on that first road trip, we, we had... Uh, we had uh, our phones or like an extra phone battery plugged in and we had like a, our cell or pardon me, our um, our camera batteries plugged in. So I had like a, a the plug-in charger set up on that inverter and then it would trickle charge up my camera battery and uh, I never had to worry about it. It was really cool. I was able to charge a bunch of equipment off of it and uh, I never really had a, a, an issue with, uh, with power, you know, for that whole period of time that we were out there. And it's cool now with a lot of these rechargeable batteries. You can get a power pack or you can get a, a solar pack and uh, and you can do some trickle charging to a solar or to a uh, you can get a solar power uh, panel charger and then have that USB charge down to a power pack like a battery pack and then have that battery pack at the end of the day. You know, it'll just collect through the whole day of sunshine while you're out doing your work and photograph and stuff. And then at night, you can take that power pack and charge up your laptop if it's USB-C like one of the new MacBooks is. Or you can charge up your phone, of course, or you can charge up some of your other devices. Um, and it works really great, I think, to, to add uh, power to the, the devices and stuff you have out there. And, um, and yeah, it works also great to, if you have the right adapters and stuff, to charge up your, your camera as a device, too. And so that's where, um, yeah, having the ability to have power out in the backcountry has been super uh, successful. You know, it's really cool. I remember back in the day, like, uh, if you were going, I think, like, people that were going on, uh, like, out, I don't know, like, if you're going on a photography trip and you weren't expected to be around Western society, the idea was that you would run out of power while you were out there. So you wouldn't have the ability to, to, to recharge one of these batteries. So you get these battery packs that would take double A's and then you would get just a whole bulk amount of double A's. So it would be all the power you would need for your camera for the period of time that you're going to be out traveling. So if you're going to Thailand or you're going to Mexico or something like that, you would have your camera, but you'd also have just your bulk set of power for your double A's because you would just have no way of recharging that rechargeable battery like you would in the U.S. at any hotel or at your house or wherever it was. And so it was kind of like the scheme of a lot of photojournalists that were, were traveling around is to have that as a system. And I guess when it was a double A system back in the, I guess, early 2000s or maybe, you know, like this is when this was first kind of coming around is that that was the first time you could get one of these solar packs and then you could get these rechargeable AA batteries and, uh, and then recharge your four or six AA batteries all at a time and then throw those back into your camera, probably film camera at the time, and then run through another 10 rolls of film before you had to uh, set the, another set of batteries to recharge up on your solar panel and then juice them up and then run it back into your camera. But I guess that was the only way to do it back in the day. And then probably, I don't know, what was it, around 2000 six seven eight that's when i started seeing goal zero stuff around for the first time i got my goal zero panel in like 2011 i think something like that and that was just like the i think it was like a seven inch one the nomad it was like a two panel one and it was just enough power to to charge like a an ipod touch or a phone at the time in fact apple devices really didn't like it at all and uh, goal zero was one of the the i think i don't know frontier or headlining companies and that kind of uh, personal solar power system there's a bunch of companies out there like working at that rv place i saw like a bunch of uh, a bunch of solar inverter options that people would have uh, if they wanted to put solar power into their rv but just as it is for truck travel or backpackers goal zero is one of the great options and 
if you want to go on Amazon and rummage around, you could find these off-brand Goal Zero type uh, solar chargers for really much less, and it's it's pretty cool. You can I think they're probably all Chinese made. Um, like uh, I think I like I have a, a new uh, four cell solar panel charger that uh, runs USB out, and it's uh, I think it's more power than the old one that I had was, but you're able to run that power down into a charging block and then you're able to run that out to your phone or to an iPad or to a computer or to a camera battery. Man, that just makes things so much easier to do, uh, to do power on the road. Oh, this other stuff that I bring is, um, as a, a necessary one that I, I kind of call every time now is the Onyx off-road app. You can also get the Onyx hunt app. Kind of depends, I guess, on, um, and what kind of thing you're looking for the the hunt app i think is is more specific really i know it says hunt but it uh, is more specific to understanding who the property owner is at that location so it kind of identifies private property owners by name and uh and then like public land uh, and its designation and borders and stuff uh and so that's really useful for a lot of reasons for a lot of people but for specifically the stuff that i'm doing the Onyx off-road app has just been fantastic. It's got a lot of details on these smaller roads and trails that uh, that travel all across the state of Oregon and all across the United States. I think you get you get uh, all fifty states for like something like thirty bucks a year, which is uh, yeah, fantastic. You get a lot of uh, really great detail and stuff. And this has been uh, been great as a as a tool for me to find a bunch of campsites or uh, a bunch of like public land locations for me to go get started on a bunch of activities and stuff. And it's cool. You can kind of chart together like, oh, this is like a wilderness area, but I see these roads kind of come in and there's a trailhead that kind of starts here and then goes to here. And it's way more accurate than uh, even like the big multi-page map booklets that I've had for uh, each individual state before. Like I've had a, a Washington one, obviously like an Oregon one, you know, it's like 90 pages and you get uh you get like 45 miles of like a high resolution map on each page spread and uh works great it's cool you know it's a good map and they're they're fine for their time but uh, but as a as a tool to have on the phone i think this uh, this off-road app has really been uh, my favorite kind of uh my favorite tool of the year it's been the, the most uh, useful to have like those maps stored offline and then when I'm back in the backcountry, I just have like an exact track of the location I was. And I see uh, a bunch of the information that has always been kind of tough for me to get before. I remember, man, on those early trips that I'd go on, this, this information is really what I was begging for. I would get so mad that I couldn't find the right road or the right trail or the right information about how rough it would get or, um, or if like these two roads would connect or, you know, just like the little, little things that, you, that end up being... Uh, I don't know, like, it's weird how much information is out there, but then I'm almost like, you know, how much information ends up being wrong if you have low-grade maps that are really meant for highway travel. <coughs> it doesn't really help you out too much to uh, to have, like, something that's that's not really at the resolution to see the off-road forest service roads that you want to take. So it's cool having the Onyx app. Um, in addition, yeah, the, the other cool one I got for the fall is uh, the coast flashlights i got like a whole load of them now so i got like a headlamp i've got uh i got my black diamond headlamp too trying to run fresh batteries in these all the time or i have like a little backup uh, stash of um, aaa batteries on the side to uh, keep kind of punching into my notice that they they last pretty well but they definitely kind of dim out after a while so i've got i think like a hundred lumen one in my pocket I've got uh, the Coast 400 like handheld light i've got a 700 lumen light in the truck 
uh, toolbox. I've got a headlamp that's uh, rocking, and those have really helped out a lot. I think I've uh, I've just been using that black diamond headlamp for about six or seven years now, and it's nice. I think that's like maybe one hundred and fifty lumens or so. And this uh, this new headlamp is I think four hundred lumen, uh, along with like the the handheld coast torch that I'm using is uh, another four hundred lumen light, and so. Uh, both of those are yeah it's like a lot more light way better spotlight than what i was using before which is uh pretty nice it's cool having the uh the illumination around so yeah that's a lot of the stuff that i'm trying to go over and uh, pack out right now and then i've also got like a bunch of the personal gear stuff uh like you know the clothes the medications the uh the layers different emergency kits and stuff. I got to try and get into that stuff too, which will probably, I don't know, I'll have plenty of time to kind of come up and get into that. But I've got a bunch of black and white photos coming out this week too, which is cool. I've got a bunch of them coming out on Instagram. I think I've got uh, like two a day coming out. I've got uh, clips too, clips of the podcast. I've been trying to, to set that up. So if you see those, probably on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, I've got uh, subtitled clips of the podcast and uh, and then video versions of the podcast or just you know youtube versions of the podcast turn up on the, a playlist on youtube you can go to youtube.com forward slash billy newman photo to check out more that's uh it's fun yeah trying to get the youtube channel set up more this year and then i'm also trying to figure out some other stuff to do with youtube i want to try and do something uh i don't know something more more as like an art project i'm gonna try and figure it out here soon but uh maybe more news on that soon it's cool though. I'm trying to figure out some stuff to do and uh yeah, I've been busy. Busy uh putting together different pieces, but it might go up on YouTube. I might try and put together, I don't know, something a little more formal too. We'll see. But uh but yeah, it's cool. So I got some black and white photos coming up on Instagram, up on the blog, and I'm uh, I should have like another screen share up uh kind of talking about the uh the black and whites and how I was uh doing the conversions of them. I've been liking that a lot of uh like going through doing these conversions of the black and whites. And I'm hoping to put together a photo book of all these black and white conversions of the high desert too. So I can kind of have it, uh, have it show this, uh, I don't know, this different look of some of the, the work that I've done out there over the years and just kind of collect it and then organize it in this way with uh, these black and whites to tie it together. But one of the first images I have is uh, this image from, from the high desert up in the, where is it? I think it was BLM land that I photographed this out in September, and it's uh, beautiful. I uh, love the the view of the sky, just the sky itself. is The, the image is cool, but uh, I had this kind of stronger uh, vignetting that was in this image, and then a lot of light in the sky with, uh, with the stars in it. So it's at night, and you just see like a little bit of the horizon with the trees kind of poking up, and then I think you can see a really bright view of Jupiter in the the far left of the image and then through the rest of it you see kind of a speckling of, of stars in the milky ways you move over towards sagittarius and then over toward the west and uh, and yeah really i think a, a pretty image and i like the the black and white conversion of these uh, photos of space where you get to see kind of the crispness of uh, of sky in relief to the the black of the ground and the tree line it's kind of fun i've got another photo here this one is from the lakeview area and it's another black and white image of the stars and the Milky Way. And in this one, you see both Jupiter and Saturn um, just to the left of a really strong and pronounced uh, end of the Milky Way as it, it drops into Sagittarius. I think it's like the center of the galaxy there, but you see these really big, thick, uh, 
kind of milky sections, almost opaque looking in the photograph. And uh, it's cool in that area. I think when you're you're looking at that tip of Sagittarius and Scorpio, the tail of Scorpio, as it kind of dips into the the section of the Milky Way there. But yeah, really pronounced and visible in this. And uh, the feel of stars around is pretty cool. But it was fun. Yeah, I think that was out in the eastern Oregon area this summer when I was taking pictures. And I think I have a, a black and white image here that I'm looking at of, um, where is this? The John Day River. I think it's a wilderness area, the John Day River that I was at during the summer. This day was so hot. Ugh. It was like, I don't know, it was 105 or something out there, and I was just driving around in the truck trying to trying to cool off. I, was, uh, I think I was camped up in the mountains um, the night before, and then I came back down to the, the river basin later that or i was traveling a ways it was probably like a, another 70 miles or so from the, the place that i'd woken up that day i was traveling to forest service and i drove down to this section that seemed pretty remote but really when i got down there it was loaded with uh with people that were that were down there with their fifth wheels and rvs kind of loaded up by the the river and it was cool yeah it's like uh, i don't know like three or four feet deep right there but uh, a nice kind of slow moving sort of tranquil section of the river that uh, seemed like people would go swimming in and stuff but the john day it's a cool area out there i liked it a lot and I've got some other black and whites of the high desert with some clouds. I got a photograph of Marina out at the beach. I think this image was taken on film on the, the Nikon N80 a few years ago now. But, uh, yeah, out in the abandoned beach area. That was cool. Another black and white conversion of um, a skateboard that I had worked on. This, yeah, these little mini decks are pretty cool to put together. I think I put put it, built this skateboard out of another like regular double kick skateboard and I had uh, kind of drawn out a line of it and then I cut off with a saw I cut off like the top uh, kick of it so that now it just has the one single kick in the back and I kind of reshaped the deck and then sanded it down put a new paint job on it put new wheels on it put new trucks on it still have the board it's cool but uh, yeah black and white conversion of some of the skate stuff I was up to this image was uh, from the Oahe River. I think this is the Oahe Canyon out in southeastern Oregon. And it stretches out into Nevada, too. I think I think parts of the river tributaries go all the way out to central Nevada into Winnemucca. It's wild how the the tributaries of the Columbia and Snake River can go out so far. You're thinking, man, wow, really? Like, just out central Nevada, it drains into the Snake River, drains into the Columbia River drains out to the Pacific Ocean. You think, man, that's wild. But yeah, beautiful section out here in the Oahe River Canyon. And I like this uh, this black and white conversion. The color photo was cool and I really enjoyed it. But uh, I think it's interesting kind of seeing some of the lines and the texture in, uh, in this black and white image that we put out this week. Image of the Alvord, nice kind of soft black and white. Image up in the Steens. An image of the Columbia River sort of flowing out to the south. An image of the what is that? Mount Hood and the the windmills. Beautiful. I love that spot. And then a photo of my dad. Yeah, I think it was kind of a blurry, sort of surreal image of my dad out in this uh, kind of high desert sagebrush plain. And it sort of goes out into the distance. But yeah, I think he's like hiking up a hill in this image. And uh, it sort of looks like a, a man with a hiking pole moving up the hillside in sort of a surreal way. But, yeah, another one of the black and whites I'm putting up this week. I think it may be an image of a comet, too. Beautiful to see comet Neowise this summer. I thought that was really fun. And I was glad to get a bunch of good uh, photographs of it out in the evening. And uh, it was difficult to see in areas that were sort of more populated with uh, with light pollution. But it was beautiful to get out into eastern Oregon where you get 
some of that crisp um, uh, desert air and you get that real crisp black sky on nights where there's no moon. So you get like almost no light pollution. You can see really dim, faint objects in the night sky. And yeah, even the second magnitude comet looked, uh, looked just brilliant and apparent in the, in the night sky and especially uh, revealed itself after a couple seconds of a long exposure, collecting the light from the comet into the, uh, the frame of the image that I captured on the camera. So it's kind of cool. Maybe you'll see that one, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you won't too. But that'll probably wrap up most of the packing list of stuff and black and white photo stuff that I'll talk about today. And I'm getting ready to head out toward the coast to do some traveling stuff. And then uh, maybe next podcast I'll talk to you about some of the additional packing stuff and how that's been holding up in the weather. And I'll talk about, uh, I think, um, some blog stuff too. I got this blog I'm working on. I'm how I'm backing up photos and stuff. So I, uh, I, I've been, I don't know. That's been super important. I had a drive fail on me, like this four terabyte hard drive. It failed out on me, uh, back in December. And so I'm trying to go back through and rebuild some of that data. And so I've been kind of working on a, uh, a, a, what I'm doing with my backup strategy. Fortunately, I've had a backup strategy that works pretty well. So I've had almost all the data and I didn't really lose anything, but I thought I'd talk about, uh, some of the stuff that I'm doing to back up photos and some of the things you can do to back up your photos. But I'll get into that on one of these next episodes of the podcast coming up soon. But until then, thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. You can check out more of my stuff at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. You can always go to BillyNewmanPhoto.com forward slash support to send some money, send some help, and support some of the stuff that I'm doing and help uh, produce the photographs that you see on the channel and uh, help make some of the content that I'm up to. But thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the podcast. I'll talk to you all again soon.